Jay Mintzmeyer is the founder and head of research at Values Investors Edge. He has more than a decade of hands-on experience analyzing and investing in the shipping sector and is a frequent participant at industry conferences. All opinions expressed by Christopher Vorname or his guests on this podcast are only their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Vorname. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Christopher Vorname as a specific reason to invest or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. This episode is produced by William Fransen. Since you mentioned containers, because I wanted to just give the listeners a brief sort of introduction or summary of the different segments in the shipping industry. So let's just talk about containers firstly, because at least from my observation on Twitter, it seems like that's a very hot debate right now, sort of the container outlook going forward, right? So can you just shed some light on what are the different perspectives? Why are you still pretty like bullish on containers and why some people say it's it's, it's very at the peak and now it's about time and the race will go down? So can you just sum- summarize that debate for the, the listeners? I'm not a super old hat in the sector, Chris, but I've been here, been here a while. And, and I think there's a lot of folks to shipping that are fairly new. Um, whether that's six months, 12 months, one or two years. Uh, and there's a lot of folks in the market who are new, and, and there's a lot of folks who are driving and leading conversation uh, that are fairly new, let's be honest. And they're sort of, I think a lot of folks in shipping learned the wrong lessons from 2020 and 2021 and, and that whole last cycle. There's a lot of folks who think in shipping, you just buy low and sell high on rates. When the rates are terrible, you buy the stocks. When the rates are high, you sell the stocks because the rates can only go down and the rates can only go up. Look, that's a recipe. If you always buy low rates, that's a recipe for dead money, first of all. Second of all, if you always sell the high rates, well, what's the nuance? Are they chartered in for three or four or five years? Are they spot rates? What's the difference? I think a lot of folks got into shipping with tankers way back in 2020. Tanker gang. <laughs> and uh, those rates were insane, Chris. You remember, I mean, I think you were starting to pay attention back then and $200,000 a day for VLCCs. And like every day we were all looking at the fixtures and celebrating and it was, it was crazy. But those were 60 day, 80 day voyages. These were spot. And so when the tide went out and that tide went out fast because it was, it was all based on oil storage, right? So once, once OPEC shut off the supply and the global demand plummeted and stayed plummeted, tankers were just crushed. And folks learned this wrong lesson that like every time there's a rally, I should short it. Or every time the rates are high, I should get out because the rates can only go down. Well, container ships are an entirely different sort of subsegment. It, it has almost nothing in common with tankers. It's an industrial type play. They're three to five year leases. So you got companies like the Naus Corp and Global Ship Lease. And I've been I mean, look, there's things like broken clocks, right? A broken clock's right twice a day. I've been debating, you know, with folks on Twitter and such. And, and I'm, not, I'm not right all the time, Chris. Like, I'll, I'll be wrong. And, and I'm, I could be wrong on this one, right? I, I make mistakes. But I've been debating with folks on Twitter for like 13, 14 months straight, 15 months straight. It's getting tiring. It's been the same thing over and over and over. The containers ran too high. They can only come down. You're buying at the peaks. I've always guided my investment decisions with fundamental cash flow models. Always. And that's what got me into containers last year. That's what kept me in them last year. That's why this year I'm not too worried about them. 
Fundamentally, a company like Denaus Corp, DAC, or Global Shipley's GSL, and I'm, I'm long both these companies, I'm talking my book, but both these companies trade significantly below the net present value of their contracts that are already been signed. And if you include the residual value of the, of the fleet at demolition. So the contract you've already signed, you demolish the ship, and it's worth more than what the stock trades for. So like, who cares if rates go down? Like, duh, like they're gonna go down. They're too high. Like, no shit, Sherlock. Like, uh, it just, it, it doesn't make, it's just, it, the funny thing, last point, <laughs> you can tell a little bit, I gotta radiate positive energy now. But like, the funny thing is some of these folks that are super anti-containers, like they hold themselves out as they're like independent thinkers or contrarians. But that's like the market view. Like the market's been like anti-shipping and containers for like a year straight. So like, it's not even a contrarian view. It's like consensus. And, and look, dude, if you're trading it and you're making money, good on you. Like keep doing it, keep making money. I'm not, I'm not mad if someone's shorting my stocks. Like, I think it's crazy. People get mad when someone shorts your stock. Like buy, sell, it's a market, man. It, it makes a market and that's what it is. That's a great summary. L looking at another segment, so that of course get a lot, a lot of attention. Twitter is of course the tankers. What is what is your summary on that segment right now? How long should the people have to wait before tankers start to move? <laughs> broken clocks, <laughs> broken clocks. No, look, um, you know, there's people that have been bullish on tankers every day of their life for two years, and and you know, tankers are in a good market again. But no, 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 no. Look, look, look. Tankers fundamentally, product tankers fundamentally look really good right here. There's no denying that. I mean, I'm not gonna, like, I, we just had an interview with Robert Bugby of Scorpio. We just talked to Jakob Milgard of, of Torm over the last two weeks on, on Value Investors Edge. Uh, both those gentlemen, very well in tune with this sector, very, very well dialed in. Lots of good facts that they were, they were sharing. The, the sector looks fundamentally very good. The stocks, however, technically, they're very overheated. They're way overbought. And... If you look at valuation metrics, if you look at forward cash flows, if you look at net asset value, the stocks have already priced in a lot of that bullishness. Now, is there more upside ahead? Yeah, there could be more upside ahead. But if those rates don't pan out, if those rates weaken or go down, or if we get this big recession that everyone's like worried about, those stocks aren't going to do well. And, and, and that's what worries me on, on tanker stocks is that it's all spot. And we don't know what the next six months are going to be. I can tell you it's looking bullish, but I want a discount to that. I don't want to just, I don't want to pay market. I don't want to pay NAV for something just because I think it's bullish. That's already reflected in the NAV. I think a lot of people don't get that. Like the NAV changes every day and every week. And it's based on real time secondhand transactions. So if the market's more bullish, the NAV goes up. If the market's more bearish, the NAV goes down. So if you're buying into a very excitable, very optimistic market, and you're paying NAV, like it's not the same as paying NAV last year, right? Like the NAV, something like Scorpio Tankers is in the 30s. The NAV of Scorpio Tankers last year was 15. So you're not getting like a great deal here. And, and that's what I tell folks. It's all about risk reward. And you can buy tankers here, Chris, and the rates can go really high and you can make a lot of money. Like I'm not saying like I'm, I'm not negative tankers. I'm just saying the way I position myself, and this is 12, 13 years in the sector, it's all about risk reward. And with a container ship firm like Denaus or Global Shipley's, I know that I can buy that stock today. And the worst possible case scenario is that I make 20 or 30% a year. Worst possible case. Medium case, 50, 60%. Best case, more than double. If I buy a tanker stock, 
Worst case, I might lose half my money. Base case, I don't know, maybe make a little bit. Bull case, yeah, I could triple my money. But I could lose a lot of money on those stocks. And that's, that's all it is, Chris. And, and I hope that's, I'm trying to simplify it enough. You know, I'm not trying to get too far into nuances of, you know, ton mile demand shifts and things like that. But that's kind of risk reward in a nutshell. And, and that's how I think about the whole container ship sector and shipping sector and even other stocks, like even energy stocks. I look at the risk reward and I say like, what happens if oil goes up? What happens if oil goes down? Where are these companies going to go? That's a great summary. Just um, talking about another bet that has gone very good recently is, of course, the dry bulk sector. So it also seems like there are positive energy towards that sector. Are, are you also quite positive on the tra trajectory going forward? <laughs> dry bulk for me is similar to tankers. Look, I, I have long dry bulk positions. Uh, I do. I have several longs. I actually had a short, but I, I closed it out recently. It was a uh, I, well, I guess I closed it. So <laughs> it was uh, Diana shipping DSX. But um, yeah, I mean, dry bulk similar to tankers. Like, yeah, the fundamentals are interesting and somewhat positive. But like, look, the stocks are already kind of, I don't want to say high. High is kind of a <laughs> divisive word. I'm going to make a lot of enemies on this show, Chris. <laughs> but look, it's it's kind of priced in, bud. Like, I mean, it's just, it's like some of these energy firms. Like, I don't get me wrong. I'm bullish energy. I have some energy positions. But like, dude, like... <sighs> If you're worried about a global recession, like you gotta be careful on some of these stocks. And and dry bulk is 100. percent I mean, really, when you when it, when you boil it down, Chris, it's 100 percent China. Like if China if China recovers and reopens, dry bulk's gonna crush it. If China falls on its face, dry bulk's not gonna do well. <laughs> like let's just sometimes the simplest one sentence like explanation of a sector is best. And for dry bulk, it's it's China. And I mean, it really is. We can talk about ton miles and grain and Ukraine crisis and like coal and you know but no it's all about china and i don't know i, I just i I'm, I'm bewildered about this like religious insistence on zero covid i just chinese have always been very pragmatic at the end of the day like i mean that you might not agree with their governance you might not agree with their market system but they're usually pragmatic at the end of the day and this zero covid thing it's like there's like this concrete wall and they're just like bashing their head into it and i just i Probably just leave it at that, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. and just let's go through the, the last sector, of course, the, the LNG and also LPG, if you want. So, what is sort of the, the bird's eye view on that sector right now, speaking at this specific time? Yeah, no, absolutely great. You're, you're hitting me on every sector, man. I'm giving away yeah. too much here. <laughs> Look, LNG was like tankers, but worse. I mean, if you wanted to find the most overvalued stocks in the market, look at LNG. Um, that's different now, the stocks crashed. It's just funny. They all crashed because of like Freeport explosion. It's like the Freeport explosion is like 90 days, man. Like you guys betting on 90 days? Like this is a five-year story. Like, I don't, but anyways, Freeport LNG explosion happened. That cooled off that bubble. And, and now you have stocks like, I just talked to OHG, uh, Kaliklev just a, just a couple of days ago. And I have so much respect for, for him and for Flex LNG and all the work he's done. But I'll be honest, uh, two weeks ago, I was short Flex. Uh, I was my second largest short, and it was just the stock was overvalued. I have, I've since covered, I actually covered two days ago. Um, it was via puts, um, and those puts have been sold. Um, very profitable puts, um, which, which I've been getting my face kicked in. So that was like the one source of like relief. <laughs> it's like Diana shipping and flex shorts. But, anyways, the problem with LNG is that there's not very many stocks to pick from. 
And you got a stock like Flex, which is a fantastic company. And I don't like, people get that mixed all the time. Like you're short a company, you don't like them. No, I love Flex, great company. I love the management team, great management team. Um, but it's tr- it was trading 130% nav and all the vessels were locked in. They only have two ships coming open and they don't come open until next year. So, you know, where's the excitement there? Um, one company I will say, no position. So I'm not talking my book, I'm just being honest. Uh, really cool company. You absolutely have to be following it. Uh, well, I guess a pun there because the company's goal are GLNG, but they have a spinoff called Cool Company. And those are two stocks that are very interesting, very worth following. I do not have positions personally. Um, I followed Golar for like almost a decade now. Uh, I'm very interested in Cool. They've only had one quarter uh, post spinoff and it was kind of a messy quarter. So the financials are still kind of in flux. Uh, I'll be meeting with their CFO next week at Marine Money at the conference and uh, really excited about those two companies. No positions, but I just think that you need to put them on your watch list. If you're in shipping, those two comp- companies are not on your watch list, like fix it. <laughs> LPG, a little bit different than LNG. Fundamentally, those companies are cheap. Um, they're interesting to me. Uh, I am worried about next year's order book. 2023 has a massive, massive set of deliveries coming up. And I am skeptical that the market can absorb even half maybe of those deliveries. Um, I mean, we're talking like 47 ships can hit the water. And I think that's too much. Um, there's other companies in the space that are very interesting that are on my watch list. Uh, one of them's really cool. Uh, I kind of stopped using the word cool now. I, <laughs> it's like the word gets stuck in your head. Uh, Navigator, NVGS. Um, no position, personally. Um, so I'm just, again, just talking about interesting companies that you need to be following. Uh, a good friend of mine, Randy Givens, was the analyst, uh, head of shipping analyst at Jefferies, and now he is the head of IR and um, project development at, at Navigator Holdings. And they're doing, they're doing LPG, they're doing ethylene, ethane, basically all the natural gas liquids. And they're looking into more export facilities across the United States. So I think Navigator, you got to have it on your watch list. Golar, you got to have it on your watch list. If you want to trade LNG stocks and have fun, you got to look at Cool Company. Um, there's some other ones, Gaslog Partners. Um, I am along a company called Capital Product Partners, CPLP. They don't own any product tankers. <laughs> so I don't know why they're called Capital Product Partners. Um, stupid name, but uh, CPLP. And uh, they have very large LNG fleet, all ultra modern, excellent contracts. Uh, some new container ship drops they're getting that are on ultra long contracts, very good economics. Eh, the company's kind of hated. They have some governance issues, to put it mildly. Uh, the dividend is way smaller than it should be. This dividend is uh, 15 cents a quarter. And so they're paying, you know, 60 cents a year and, you know, the stock's 15 bucks. So, you know, 3% dividend or whatever. And this dividend, it's covered like 10 times by cash flows. So think about that. It's 3% yield is covered 10 times by cash flows. This company could have a 30% yield or higher if they had a full payout. And the whole fleet, all the new ships are on five, six, seven, eight year contracts. Um, so it's an extremely cheap company, but it's got its warts. It's got its problems. Um, yeah, CPLP. <laughs> so hopefully that's a lot of companies. Hopefully that's at least helpful for folks who are getting into the sector and, and looking at stuff. If you like this episode and the content we produce, you need to check out our newsletter called the Fransen and Wohnheim Letter. You can find more information in the show notes. 
And also, if you want to see this episode, head over to my YouTube channel. Just type in Christopher Vonheim. See you next time.